morning, everybody. How's everybody feeling today? It's good to see you. Welcome to Next. Glad to be sharing this time with you. And just by way of quick introduction, I think everybody knows I'm Dave Bunch. And Jason has asked me to come in and, and talk to you this, this day, this morning. Um, we're, you guys are in the middle of a, of a, of a series on tests, the, the, the different tests that we go through as Christians and human beings. And so Jason has asked me to come and talk about a particular test, and we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, what I want to do, much, much of what I will be talking about today has to do with our story um, that, you know, over the last two or three years. And you guys, I, I'm looking, I'm scanning the crowd. I think everybody in here has heard our story so many times. I feel, I feel like you're probably tired of it. I, I, I mean, that's just, it's just fair. It's just fair to know that you guys are probably sick and tired of hearing my story. But that being said, Jason asked me to share it. And so I'm, I'm going to be talking about some elements of it. In order to keep you engaged and not check out on me, um, I wanted to try something a little different today. I have uh, essentially outlines for you. And, of course, there's blanks to be filled in as we go along, right, so that you can, you can follow along and answer these, uh, or answer these questions. You don't have to. It's optional. But I thought it would, would probably keep you engaged. These are pens for anybody that needs pens. Thank you very much. And I, let me have one, Nate, if you don't mind, just one. Uh, and if I skip something at the end, we'll come back and get it. But I think I got it. I think I got it nailed down. But I would like for you to follow along on your outline and answer these, fill in these blanks as we go. Um, that way we can kind of all be engaged together. And then the second element of that is, is I, I really enjoy studying communication, um, both written and oral. I, I'm really fascinated by the means in which we communicate. And so I, every time that I speak, whether it's a sermon or teaching or even, you know, we do a little huddle before before serve team, before we serve in our serve teams on Sunday morning, any time that I speak, I like to try different things, see what works, see what doesn't, and and just I'm always tweaking, always trying to learn from my experience, always trying to get better. I don't I, short. Of, I, I used to teach a, a high school Sunday school class years ago. Probably did something like this with them. Short of that, I don't know that I've done anything like this in recent times. Certainly with an adult class, so. I'm anxious to see how it goes. I'm anxious to see if it works, if it doesn't work. If I, if I skip ahead and forget to give you some answers, maybe, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But those are my two reasons for going this route today, and we'll, we'll just see. It'll be interesting. Um, I think when, uh, well, let me go ahead and just introduce the topic. I'm just going to talk with you today. I don't, I don't know that I, I have any fire and brimstone to share with you today, or we're not going to shout down the house, I don't think, Jason. But we are going to have revival, though, so that's the important thing. Uh, today, the test we're going to be talking about is the wilderness test. You probably have already figured that out from your outline. The wilderness test we're going to be talking about. And I'll be, Jason has asked me to share with you because my family and I went through a very uh, tough wilderness time uh, starting in 2016. And it really didn't come to an end until late last year, late 2018. Um, and we'll get into it, but it had to do with, obviously, with, with Dawson being diagnosed with leukemia and being treated at St. Jude and then also losing our home in the floods of 2016. 2016 was a tough year around the Bunch household. 
So, so now we're, we're really, in, in my way of marking time now, we're really a year, we're a year through that. Dawson's last treatment was last September. So I really feel like we're a year through the wilderness in that sense. And so when Jason asked me to share on this, I immediately said yes and readily agreed. But I don't think he realized what he was asking me to do. And I didn't realize what he was asking me to do. This has actually turned out to be tougher than I thought. Um, during, when we were in it, uh, in the wilderness, in the test, we, you know, I had opportunities to speak about it, to preach about it. To, to we talk, we we did some events at St. Jude where Dawson and I got to go speak and share. It was and it was awesome. For some reason, um, those those events seemed to be easier when when we were in the thick of it. I think you just kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do what you got to do in the moment. Now, what I found, this is where I'm at now, a year, a year through. I mentioned this the other night in church. When, when you, you've been driving down the road and you have that near miss, you know, somebody pulls out and you swerve or whatever. So you, you react, you get out of the situation. And then a couple minutes later, that adrenaline comes in and you're shaking and you're like, oh, my Lord, that could have been so bad. That could have just been terrible. I think that's where I'm at in, in this journey, processing this. I feel like that's where I'm at is that I've, I've, uh, we've been, we're through it. You know, you do what you got to do. You react. You, you get through it. And then once it's passed, you're like, oh, my Lord, did that just happen? Did, we, did that really, did we go through that? And so when I, when I began to process through this to prepare for today, um, there, there's a just a, I can't even explain to you all of the emotions I felt because it's, 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 a, it's crazy. You, you want to cry, you want to laugh, you want to thank God, you, you're excited. But then, I mean, it's just so much. You're all over the spectrum in your emotions. So, Jason, it was, it was quite a journey and quite a process getting, getting ready for this and getting through this. I, I see how it turns out today when we're talking about it. But that's, that's where I'm coming from today. So the wilderness test. Are you ready? The wilderness test. The, uh, the, the test comes to everyone. I don't know why that pops like that sometimes. Maybe when I look down. Um, we're, we're experimenting with this still, by the way. Um, the, the test, the, uh, just a word about tests before we get started by way of introduction. Tests come to everyone, and they, um, and they come because we don't know what we're made of until we're tested. We don't know what we're made of until we're tested. You know, sometimes they, they refer to it as a stress test. Have you ever heard of a stress test? It's really a heart test. You know, they put you on a treadmill or whatever. Well, what they're doing is, is they're wanting, they, they, they don't know what your heart is capable of doing, what, what kind of pressure it's able to perform under until it gets in that situation, right? So they put you on the treadmill, get your heart rate up to see what it can take. And so God puts us through tests as children of God, as Christians. He puts us through tests because, or I should say, I don't know that God always puts us through it, but he allows us to go through testing because we don't know what we're made of and he doesn't know what we're made of until we go through it and see how we perform. It's like being on that treadmill. So sometimes that's the thing. Sometimes God lets you go through stressful situations to see how you will perform. Now, tests are never announced they are never announced. Um, they, the tests are never announced. They just happen. So that's your answer right there. They, they are never announced. They just happen. They come oftentimes disguised. They come in, in uh, 
in disguise so that even if you're alert, even if you wake up every day and say, I'm going to be on my guard, I'm, I'm looking for that test, I'm, I'm watching for it. Oftentimes, even then, you wouldn't know you're in a te- you're, that it's a test until you're in the middle of it and sometimes until you're, you're through it. Because oftentimes they come disguised and we don't usually recognize for what they are until much later. Often you'll find yourself in a test. You'll find yourself well into the test before you even realize what's happening. All right, so that's, that's by way of introduction. Um, so the wilderness test, the wilderness test. This test comes in the form of a drought or a dry season. And it will prove your potential to make changes necessary to go to the next level. It will prove your ability to make the changes necessary to go to the next level. It's a time, or I'm sorry, any, any time, any time that you desire as a Christian, any time that you desire to go from point A to point B, there's a wilderness in between. Now, it could, it, it, they're not always as severe as the one that I'll be telling you about today, but there's always going to be a wilderness. I learned a long time ago, it was before, before this, this uh, wilderness test that we had, I, I've observed men and women of God, I've watched them, I'm talking about the the, you know, the greatest preacher you can think of to the, the most seasoned saint you can think of that's faithful to church and faithful to the kingdom of God. I've, watched, I've looked at these people's lives, any of them, pick one, pick any, and they've all been through at least one thing that has tested them in their life. There's all, all of them have one point that they could go back to and say, man, that was, my, that was where I went through this proving time to, to make me what I am today. You can't, in other words, you can't avoid it. If you want to be the best you can be. If you want to activate the promises of God in your life, if you want to activate the calling of God in your life, there is a wilderness in between point A and point B. Um, and, you can look, and you can look in the Bible for any number of examples. Jesus went through the wilderness before, 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness before he went into his ministry. Moses, who we'll be talking a little bit about uh, went through the wilderness before he began his ministry, essentially. Elijah had a wilderness experience. Even the Apostle Paul, he doesn't talk a lot about it, but it's right there in the epistles. He talks about that there was a time where he went out and, and it was just him and God in this wilderness, and God gave him kind of like a download of the gospel. And then Paul went back and cross-checked what God had given him with the disciples. But And it, and it all fit, and it was all in harmony, and that's why we have Paul's writings today as Scripture. But... He went through a wilderness test to get there. The wilderness is a time when questions are many and answers are few. Questions are many and answers are few. You survive, hopefully, but you don't thrive. You don't, it's not really a time of great abundance or great thriving. You're probably not performing at your best. Supply does not, meet, uh, does not match demand. And God's felt presence seems so far away. Everybody good so far? You got your answers? And so that's the wilderness. It's that drought. It's that time where you, you pray and it doesn't seem like God's answering. It's like there's no momentum. It's a, and all you can see is your problem, your situation. You're hitting up against a wall. And it's like, God, will this ever move? Will this ever change? Will my life always be like it is right now? And so I'm going to speak to that a little bit as we traverse through this and hopefully get to the, 
uh, when I get kind of more towards the conclusion, I'm going to give you some, uh, hopefully some takeaways. It's not all bad today. It's not all doom and gloom. I'm going to testify a little bit, but I'm going to give you some hope at the end. So, so stay with me. So welcome to the wilderness. So, uh, and again, I, I feel like, I feel like it's hard to even know what to say or where to start because you guys know pretty much what I'm going to say. So let me, but let me just paint the picture. You know, we, we came to church that Sunday morning, went through our routine. I actually wound up, I was teaching that Sunday in the adult class. Long story short, we actually baptized uh, Kristen, our niece, Kristen's husband. We, we think of her as our daughter, so in a sense, son-in-law. We actually baptized him that morning in Jesus' name. It was a really cool time. Things were going well. It was the beginning of the year. We had just finished the church-wide 21 days of prayer and fasting. Things were, things were humming. They were going like they should. And by, that was Sunday morning. By nightfall, it's how quickly things can change. By nightfall, we were in that emergency room at the Our Lady of the Lake Hospital, and the doctor came in, and, and you could look on his face, and you could see um, that the news wasn't good. And, and, and he says, your son has some form of cancer. At that point, of course, they didn't know that it was leukemia. They could just tell from the blood work that, that something bad was going on in his body. And so it's, it's that quick. It's just that quick. It, it just changed just like that. And we didn't go, oh, okay, well, Lord, we're in the wilderness, so here we go. No, I mean, in that moment, you, you just react and you're trying to get through. You're, you're trying to be there for, for your family and you're doing what you have to do. You're trying to stay strong for Dawson. You want him to, you know, he, he understood and knew very clearly what was going on, but you want to keep his faith up. You want to keep him strong. You want to keep him thinking in the right way. So there's, you, you just kind of do what you got to do. And so we, uh, those first few days, we didn't know that it, what, what was about to ensue, the journey we were about to go on. We we're just trying to take it moment by moment. But it's interesting because sometimes now, now God, as I said, you don't always know you're in the wilderness. And it's a time where it seems like God is silent, like God doesn't speak, even if, if you're asking God for, for answers. A lot of times he won't give them. And it's not that he's being mean or cruel. Remember, the test is he wants to see, it's like that stress test on your heart. What, what you're going to do, how you're going to respond, who you're going to be, how you're going to come out of this. And so he wants, to see, uh, he wants to, to see what you're made of in that sense. But sometimes, even at that, God, God will speak or at least he'll give some direction or he'll, give, he'll, he'll at least give you, give you something to hang on to. And that, that turned out to be our experience. There were times where, where God spoke, and I'm going I'm to give you an example here in just a second of specifically where he spoke to me. Sometimes he would speak to us through other people. Sometimes it was just a word of encouragement. But, but it's not that, you're, it's not that you, you don't ever hear from God. God will sometimes give us landmarks and, and roadmaps along the way. And so that Dawson had gone, there was an initial seven-week period where he, that we went to St. Jude, you guys remember this, and it was just, he was in the hospital uh, for seven days, and then it was all outpatient every day, every day he had to go and get his chemotherapy. And then after seven weeks, we got to come home for a while, and then a couple months later, it was back for what they call uh, the high dose. There was his first high dose, and that's where you go back in the hospital, and you get just really, really strong chemotherapy for a long period of time, several weeks. And so we'd gone back for that, for that high dose. We were staying in the Tri-Delta, which is the hotel there in the, on the campus for the families. And the alarm clock went off that morning. And the, um, the, um, 
I can, I can just remember the alarm clock went off and I, I was trying to wake up. It was time to get up and, and get Dawson ready and go about our day. And, and, and it was just that morning, it was like, you know what? I've had enough of this. I just don't want to get up and do this anymore. It was just at that moment, you know, it, it was like there was no end in sight. We knew at this point that it was a two and a half year treatment process. No end in sight. We're only a couple of months in. You don't know how, he, how he's going to do up, you know, up or down, you know, what, what would ultimately be the end result. We knew the odds were good, but we didn't know what the end result would be. And there's another component to this, too, uh, with, with my not wanting to get up and face the day. It wasn't just Dawson. St. Jude is an awesome place. It's an amazing place. In some ways, it's a little bit like Disney World in terms of the customer care or the patient care. And, the, and the, the, it's, it's bright and it's fun and they try to make it nice for the children. But at the end of the day, when you're on that St. Jude campus, you're around sick children and hurting families all day long. Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, you go to the cafeteria, you go here, you go there. It's sick children, hurting families everywhere you turn. The healthcare professionals at St. Jude are very special people to be able to work in that environment every day and keep such a positive outlook and keep such a positive attitude because it wears on you after a while. It really does. And I just didn't, I was like, I'm, I don't want to be in this environment. I don't want to go there. And as I was struggling with that and trying to rouse myself from, from sleep and get, you know, get going on the day, I'm telling you as clear as anything, God spoke to me and said, welcome to the wilderness. That was the words I heard. Welcome to the wilderness. And, and, I, and I felt like in that moment, I felt like I knew what that meant. I knew what God was saying. It's, it's exactly what we're talking about here today, that this, we're, we're in a wilderness test. We're going through a time of trying of tests. Notice God didn't tell me anything about the outcome. He didn't give me any promises. He didn't give me any assurances. There was no, you know, bright lights and angelic visitations. He just said, welcome to the wilderness. And, and that was it. My mind immediately went to the story of Moses. I'm going to come back to Moses in just a second and go there. But, but let me just tell you that any time, and I mentioned this before, but any time you desire to go from A to B, from an elevated place in terms of your calling, you're, looking, you're seeking blessings from God, fruitfulness and ministry, Whatever it may be, you've got to first navigate this wilderness. And that's essentially, I believe, what God was saying. The thing about the wilderness, though, is that it's full of bones and carcasses of folks that have gone through the wilderness and never came out. Okay, and so I want you to know that there's that, that it, not everybody makes it out of the wilderness. And, I, and I'll just tell you, we, I don't think we would have made it without you guys. I mean that sincerely. We had such a support group and so many people rallied around us. I really don't think we would have made it without y'all. But not everybody has that, that blessing or that, that whatever. Um, there's, I'm telling you, the, the wilderness is littered with people that didn't make it through. So you have to set, when we get to the practical part of this in a minute, you've got to set your mind, you've got to set your faith, you've got to be stalwart in saying that I'm going to go through because I know and I'm confident that on the other side of this wilderness there is fruitfulness, there is blessing, that God will meet me there, that there is an answer ultimately, that it may not look good right now, but ultimately there is hope, there is a place on the other side and that I will get there. Have you ever been on a, um, um, did I, have I given you the answers? The wilderness will have to be navigated before you get to the fulfillment of God's promise in your life. 
And so this is the next answer. God seldom lays it out for us. He seldom lays it out for us. But he does give us trail markers is the answer for that next blank. He does give us trail markers. And I felt like, have you ever been going on a trail like at a state park or something? And like right at the beginning of the trail, there's that little wooden sign and it gives you the map of the trail and it tells you how far it is and what wildlife to look for and what trees and what, you know, what leaves to collect or whatever. It's kind of like that. Now, now, look, God doesn't give you a map quite that generously. I'm not saying that he mapped it out for us and said, you're going from A to B. Because I'm about to tell you here in a second where the, where the trail took another turn that we didn't expect. But I do feel like this welcome to the wilderness where he said that to me was like a trail marker. At least I knew what we were entering into, right? At least I knew that God was in this, God was part of this, and that, um, that if we would stay connected to him, we would get through. But what I didn't know then, I thought, I thought, okay, welcome to the wilderness. That's what we're in right now. This is what God's doing. This is what we've got to get through to get from A to B. What I didn't realize, and this is why I call this a trail marker, what I, looking back, I think God was really saying was, get ready because this has only just begun. This has only just started. Where I thought this was, this was it, he was saying this has only just begun because about six weeks later, you guys know we had those historic floods in the entire contents of our house. Some of you were here today, helped us move that to the front of the house, to the curb side, and we lost everything. So now we have a child that's got a, a life-threatening disease, and we've lost everything. And that's the wilderness, folks. That's the desolate place. That's, that's, where, that's where God doesn't always give further instructions. He doesn't give explanation. I just had these four words, welcome to the wilderness. That's all I had to go on. And um, we found ourselves in this very, very difficult place. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to gauge my time as well, but I, I do want to share this because it might be a slightly different take on our story that maybe I don't remember that I've shared this before. Maybe I have. But I want you to think about where we were at at that moment from Farah's perspective, because Farah doesn't, she doesn't really like the, the, to stand in front of folks and talk, and she, you may not have heard her testimony, but I've, as I've had time to process it, I've thought a lot about it from her perspective, because this is what happened for her. Now, you think about this, that Friday night, I keep looking at Aaron, because I can see you walking across my front yard in that rain with those cinder blocks. Some of the guys came over and tried to help us get our house ready for the flood. That Friday night, everything's intact. Our house is fine. The, the water's coming up over River Road, but that's not so unusual. That happens from time to time in storms. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I thought we were, doing, we were taking some precautions just out of the abundance of precaution. I didn't really think that it was going to flood like it did. Of course, we know now that it was historic proportions and the entire neighborhood went underwater. So what do you do? But um, we were taking the precautions. We decided ultimately that we would leave. Dawson had an appointment already scheduled at St. Jude for that Monday. This was Friday night. On that Monday, Farrah and Dawson were going to go to St. Jude Sunday after church as it was. So they just moved their trip up. They left that Friday evening and headed to Memphis on the off chance that the neighborhood might flood and we couldn't get out to get him to Memphis, which is, of course, exactly what happened. Elaine and I left and went to my mom's. Well, the, um, you think about that now. So Farrah, of course, has a sick child as a mother, has a very sick child. 
she leaves this house that, you know, the, the, the nest, the, 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 this place of, that she's built in that sense as the mother of the home, the wife of the home, and it's perfectly intact. And then she has to watch these floods from afar, from Memphis. She's watching it on social media and news outlets and all that. You know, just not knowing really what's going on. Cell service was sketchy. You remember all that. And then she doesn't get to come back to, it was three or four weeks or more later. I forget the time frame, but it was at least three weeks, maybe more later. And she comes back to a house that even down to the wood floors is out in front of the house. And I'll never forget seeing her kind of just picking through the rubble. She's just looking, just seeing, just wanting to see, just wanting to process. Is there, is there one thing that, that might be there that I could keep that, you know, might be worth saving? That's hard. That's tough. Think about that, how, how difficult that must have been for her. I, I got to process it in a sense as I was going along. I was there, you know, I was the one ripping stuff out, and I was the one helping ter- uh, carry stuff down to the, the street, and I could, I could see stuff going, you know, going out. Here goes Aaron with a, you know, with a handful of my neckties or something, you know, and, and, I, and I'm processing it as it happens. Farah has no, no mechanism by which to process it. It's just there, and then it's not. And, it, and that's hard. That's difficult. That's the wilderness. And, and, it, and so what do you do? Ultimately, we, we decided to move to Memphis for a year, and that was hard. That, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what the right answer would, would have been in that scenario. That's the answer we chose. That's the decision we made. And, you know, I don't, I don't second-guess it in that sense. I don't, I don't know what you would have done. No, that's what we did. And that was difficult because then you go through a series of days and weeks and months where, in a sense, in a lot of ways, we were by ourselves up there with no support group it felt like and those were some dark days up there Dawson had some of his sickest uh, and most trying times in those days and I can remember we would it was just fair Dawson Elena and me and we would we would spend sometimes weeks in the hospital we lived not far from there we had a rent house and we could go back and forth to the house sometimes I would stay at the house and work from there with Elena or whatever just for a break but essentially there would be times where we were weeks in the hospital and that's that environment I'm telling you about where that becomes your world where it's just sickness and hurt every day all around you everywhere and that's your world that's just what you wake up in and live in every single day for weeks and weeks and months I remember one day I was at the house working and Farrah called and said that uh, they that Dawson's fever had spiked up and they, they had had some kind of virus, and they were putting him in isolation. And I'm telling you, in the wilderness, it, you can get disoriented sometimes. You can't, oftentimes you don't see things for what they are. And I can re- just remember this panic came over me, because we all understand when your immune system is compromised, what uh, any kind of infection or virus could mean. And I can remember just this stuff was just going through my mind, and, and I began to panic, and I, and I hit my knees. I, I literally, I just, I, was, I just hit my knees. I went down to my knees and just begin to beg God, beg God, please, you know, please heal him. Don't let this virus be fatal. And, and I'm just giving you that as an example of, of, of just what it was like in those days. It was a wilderness place is the bottom line. It was a wilderness place. It's, it's a time where all, all I know is just welcome to the wilderness. And so when God spoke that to me, that my mind immediately went to Moses. And so now we're going, going on your outline to Moses. And I immediately began to think about his, his experience with the burning bush in the wilderness. He was in a desert place, a wilderness place. And, I, and I'm, I'm quickly running out of time here. I'm going to have to go somewhat quickly here. 
but I'll, I'll give, of course give you the key points and the high points. But over time, I was able to go back. I didn't have it all in that moment, but I felt like God nudged me and said, hey, you know, what, what I'm telling you, you need, to, you need to study and pray over Moses' life. And so I did over time. I was able to get time to do that and really look into Moses' experience and, and really pray about it and, and get some what I feel like are some insights into his life. But, but very quickly, I, I think most of you know the story of Moses. He was rescued out of the Nile by Pharaoh's daughter, raised in the courts of Pharaoh. He was a, he was a Jewish boy, an Israelite, but he was an Egyptian too in that sense because he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter in the house of Pharaoh. So he, he was, that was the kingdom in that time. Right. Like they, they ruled the world. Egypt did. So he had the best education. He was wealthy. Anything and everything he needed or wanted, he had. He had the best of the best. He was very privileged life in that sense. And then he sees the plight or the the bondage of his fellow Israelites. He wants to do something to help them. God, I, I believe, began to kind of talk to him about that. But I guess he went about it the wrong way. Maybe he took matters into his own hands and he kills an Egyptian. And when he does you know, it goes south from there. People see what he did. They see that he's a murderer. He has to run for his life, and he runs straight to the wilderness, straight to that wilderness experience, that dry, desolate place. He was actually on a place called Mount Horeb, H-O-R-E-B, Horeb. Horeb literally means desolate or wilderness experience. It's a mountain range. It's part of the mountain range of Mount Sinai. And so that's where he is for 40 years, Moses is there. And then he comes out of that wilderness, of course, you know, as this great deliverer, he goes and stands before the Pharaoh. He's the man of God. He's, he's calling down fire from heaven and plagues and he's parting Red Sea and all that. But he had to go to the wilderness first to get there. And there's some reasons why. There's at least three reasons that I can identify why, he, why uh, Moses had to go through the wilderness to become the man of God he was. The first one was to get Egypt out of him, to get Egypt out of him. As I mentioned, he was totally schooled in the ways of the Egyptians, and in order to find his destiny in God, there were some things that had to be purged away. He had to be reprogrammed, if you will, in the ways of God. And there's, listen to this, there's no better school than the school of the wilderness to purge away the things in us that should not be there and allow God to mold us in his image. There's no better school than the school of the wilderness for that. If God wants to take some rough edges off of you, if he wants to, to, to fix some things in you and remold you, remake you into some ways that would be more advantageous to him using you in the kingdom, this wilderness is the best way to do it. 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing is happening to you. Don't think it's odd or strange. God's using this test, this wilderness, to get Egypt out of you, to prepare you for some future work. The second thing Moses had to do in the wilderness, or the reason for the wilderness, was to meet God. In the wilderness, he met God. It was in the wilderness that Moses had that encounter at the burning bush. I go so far as to say if he wasn't in the wilderness, he wouldn't have had that encounter with God. What that means to me and you is that we often, maybe not in the wilderness, but after we've come through the wilderness, we see God in brand new ways. We, we see a side of God. We experience a portion of God that there's no other way to experience than for him to go with you through a wilderness test. When Moses ran to the wilderness, he was running to get away from his past. 
What he didn't realize is that he was really running into his future. And that to me, if, if, if there's a beautiful thing about the wilderness, that's it. Is that you, you may be running through the wilderness, but you're running to your future if you'll hang on, if you'll keep going, if you'll stay there. He thought he was running from his past, but he's really running to his future. So even in that desolate place, God shows up and Moses has this incredible encounter with God at the burning bush experience. He hears God calling by name. Who, who wouldn't want to hear God call you by name? But sometimes that doesn't happen without the wilderness test. The last thing Moses had to do, or the, last, or the third reason I've, I've found that Moses went to the wilderness was to learn leadership. Another way to say it might be just to be equipped for future ministry, but for, for the tagline there on your outline, to learn leadership. Think about this. Moses being, uh, in a sense, he was a city boy. He was in the courts of the, of the Egyptians. He knew all about that. He was educated in that way. How would he ever lead three, or the, the estimates vary, vary, three plus million people one day through the wilderness if he'd never been in the wilderness himself? So those 40 years in the wilderness, he's learning very valuable skills. He doesn't know it, by the way. We look at all this stuff in hindsight. We study these people in the Bible. We see what happened. But think about it in the moment. He doesn't know all that's going down. He just knows he's in the wilderness. He doesn't know what the future looks like. But we see in hindsight that everything he went through was preparing him for some future assignment in the kingdom of God. And I submit to you that that is true today in your life too. You're not going to know it. You're not going to see it because you don't know the future. And God chooses not to tell us. But I'm telling you, the wilderness is preparing you for some future assignment. And it just might have to do with whatever it is you're going through. You may be learning valuable skills right now that's going to equip you in some future way. The next time Moses went to the wilderness, he knew it very well. And he knew how to lead those people through. So what is the proper response to the wilderness? This is where we'll get, I've only got seven minutes and I'm going to try to make this quick. But really, this is the, to me, this is the heart of the matter. This is the most important thing. That's all conceptual in a sense. That's all kind of good in the classroom about what the wilderness is and why we go through it and what some of the outcomes may be. But what do you do when you find yourself in the wilderness place? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Um, uh, our response to the wilderness is critical. Remember, I told you there's a lot of people that never make it out of the wilderness. And you, we could, you, you know examples and I know examples that never make it out. It's because the response to the wilderness is so critical. It's so critical. Oftentimes, your response to the wilderness will determine how long you stay in the wilderness. You ever been, you know, it's like a test or a class. You can't go to the next grade till you pass the test, right? And so what happens if you don't pass the test? You just keep retaking it till you do. Nobody wants to do that. So you have to keep going. I'll say this, by, um, I'll say this just by way of explanation. This is all. This is, I'm not, please don't read anything into this. I'm just giving you our experience. It was really cool that we were not at the end yet, but things were looking up. Things were moving on. God spoke to us through uh, Billy Thornton. He came and he told me, and the word from God was, he said, as you've been weighed in the balances and found faithful, and there's an end to your storm. That's what Billy Thornton said God had told him to tell us. The point of that is, I've already forgotten my point. Oh, the point is, is that if you respond properly, there is a point where the wilderness test does end. If you, if you pass the test, at some point, God will say, okay, enough. That's enough. You, you've, you've proven what I needed to prove. This, the stress test is over. 
let's move forward into your future. That, that's my point. So the first thing you can do, there's some things you can do. There's some things you have control over. There's a lot you don't, especially in the wilderness. You know, I couldn't make Dawson well by nightfall. There was nothing I could do, and you know, there's no serum that I could inject in him to make him well. Things I didn't have control over. But there are some things we have control over, and those are things we need to focus on. Number one, uh, uh, keep an attitude of gratitude. Try to make it your practice not to complain about what you don't have, but focus on what you do have. Look, guys, this was critical for us in, the, in terms of the flood because we lost everything. We had, had a few things we'd put in our suitcases because we were evacuating, and that was it, literally. I'm telling you, that, that was it. There was nothing else. Well, I remember going to the store to buy, like, coats for the winter. I mean, you know, shoes, the, everything. We lost it all, and m- many of you did as well. And so it's easy, it's easy in those moments to get, you, you just weighed down by what you don't. Look at what we've lost. And I'll, and I'll tell you how this plays out. Um, even today, even now, even probably this week, there's things in, in my head. I can't remember if there's certain things. I can't remember if it's something that we have now in the house for me to go get and use like a tool. Or if it's something we had and we lost it in the flood. Um, because because I did have a few things in the attic, uh, some keepsakes and things, and there were a few tools and things that, that we were able to keep, you know, you know, little light things like that. But there are things, even like, uh, like for example, my diploma with LSU. Um, I lost mine, but Farrah kept hers. I don't know how that worked. It just depends on where stuff's at when the flood hits, I guess. But sometimes I, I have to think now, okay, do I have my diploma copy of it? Or did Farrah have hers, you know? And, and so even now, it's hard to remember what's what and what we had, what we don't have. Did I go, back, did I go buy that at Lowe's? Or, or, or did I mean to go buy it at Lowe's? You know, and you go back and forth. So the key in all that, and, and I'm telling you, this is not just, this is not high and lofty philosophy. We live this. The key is to be grateful. And so we would. We would talk about the things that we were thankful for. We were talking about the things that we were blessed because we were. People, I'm telling you, people rallied around us. Uh, people gave. They, they, they gave into to our lives financially. We were blessed in so many ways. Yeah, there was a lot that, that we didn't have. There was a lot we lost. There was a lot we had. And so you focus on the things that you can be thankful for. I could say more about that, but I have to hurry. First Thessalonians 5.18, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Next is don't fix the blame, fix the problem. Now, this is not, this is not so applicable in our situation. There, there was really nothing to blame. I mean, I, I mean, you could blame the flood, but it's not going to do you a lot of good. And you could blame you know, blood cells in Dawson's body, but I, there's nothing you can do there. But some, some of you even here today, and a lot of times, and I didn't touch much on this, but a lot of times we're in wilderness situations because of what someone else has done, either to us or in a relationship, uh, you know, um, in a family dynamic. Oftentimes there's other people involved that has something they've done that's propelled us into a wilderness time. And again, God doesn't cause these things, but often he'll allow them to, to test us. And so we'll go through that wilderness time because of somebody else. It's never helpful to blame, you know, these folks that blame everything but me. It's everybody else's fault but mine, you know. That does it. It may be true, but it doesn't help anything. It's not going to get you anywhere. So even if someone contributed to your wilderness experience, don't waste energy placing the blame. Put your energy in fixing the blame. That, that means, in other words, in, in correcting the problem 
to the best of your ability. Um, the next one is don't look back. The next one is don't look back. Life has no rewind button. And when you try to rewind and replay yesterday, you lose today. And then tomorrow when you wake up and do the same thing, you've lost that day. You, you can only live forward. You can only live forward. And I'll tell you, uh, by, again, by way of testimony, I, I've had times where I thought, well, man, you know, Dawson essentially lost two and a half years of his life, you know, in a hospital bed or, or um, you know, <laughs> this is a, this is a hard, one, hard pill to swallow. But, you know, when, when you're in a house, we were in a house almost 10 years, you're way down the line on paying your mortgage, man. We had to start all over with a mortgage, right, with a new house. You, you can't go back and replay that stuff. You can't, there's, there does no good. You can't redo it. All you can do is say, okay, if I, can use it, if I can use this term, these are the cards I have. Let me see what I can do going forward, right? I can't redeal. We can't reshuffle and redeal the deck. But I do, I can take what I got and I can move forward. That, that's the only productive option. That's the only productive path forward. Living in yesterday, you can't do nothing about it. I'm not saying we don't have thoughts like the ones I just explained. Not saying we have those moments. It's okay. I'm not telling you to build a wall and not have any emotion. It's okay. I've had days where I just had emotion and I thought thoughts like I just explained and I, and I just went ahead and thought them and went ahead and dwelled there for a minute. But don't stay there. You can't stay there. Can't stay there. You got to move forward. You got to pick it up and at some point move forward. Process it but move forward. Ecclesiastes 7.10, Say not thou what is the cause that the former days were better than these. For you're not, you're not being wise when you do that, is what he's saying. And then, of course, Paul famously said, I'm not looking back. I'm pressing forward for the mark, for the prize. I added in here, don't quit. Because of my lack of time, I'm not going to say much on that. Just write that down. Just don't quit. Just keep going. I promise you there's something on the other end of the wilderness or the other side of the wilderness and that's my conclusion. So here we go. It's 1046. I'm almost done. This is your takeaway for the day. If you want to write this down, if you want to type it in your phone, the wilderness test is designed for a better end, not a bitter one. That's, that's it in a nutshell, guys. If you can just hang on, get to the other side of the wilderness. There's more one to say about Moses and Mount Horeb. Have to do that another time, but I do want to leave you with these two very encouraging scriptures. Psalm 66, verse 10 through 12. For thou, O God, hast proved us. You have tried us to silver is tried. You brought us into the net and laid affliction upon us. So, you know, rough time. David's having a rough go of it here. You've caused men to ride over our heads. We went through the fire and the water. But you brought us out into a wealthy place. A wealthy place. There is a bringing out. There is a coming out of the wilderness. It's not forever. It's not forever. It seems like it is in the moment. Two and a half years, three years we were in our wilderness. It seems like it'll never change. But I did want to tell you, when it changed, it changed. It changed just like that. Within 30 days, everything changed. Dawson still had to finish his chemotherapy. But in terms of our housing and living and all that, it all changed in 30 days. Fair got a call, got a job offer. We were back in Baton Rouge, like just in the, it was crazy. It's like we woke up one day and here we were. It all changed overnight. It's when the, the Bible talks about when the fullness of time has come. It's like when God gets ready and says, the test is finished. You're done. You've passed. It will change overnight. It'll change just like that. 
And so I want to encourage you that. Last scripture, it's not on your notes. Nahum 1.7. Love this. It's a great way to go out this morning. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows them that trust in him. Telling you, if you're in the wilderness place today, God knows you're there. It's not a surprise to him. It's not an accident. He knows. He knows who's trusting in him. He knows where you are. And if you'll hold on to him, he is a stronghold in the day of trouble. And I promise you there's something better on the other side. We got to go to church. That's your first sermon of the day. But that's the wilderness test as I as I have experienced and I have seen it. God bless you today. Thank you for hanging in there with us. This has been another installment of the of the series on the on the test. I, I'm thinking y'all have some more to go, right, Jason? Yeah, got some more coming. So stay tuned. God bless you so much in Jesus' name.